alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. Welcome to the 82nd Annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm driven by my pal, Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. You'll never believe it. It was fucking snowing today. Are you shitting me? I'm not shitting you. Of course, it's like, you know, the first snowfall doesn't stick or anything, but... Yeah, it was snowing this morning. I didn't believe it myself, and then I went and checked, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, already? Usually the first snowfall would, when we were kids, it would happen the weekend of Halloween. It would be really fucking cold, and there would be slush on the ground from the first snowfall when we'd go out trick-or-treating. It, it's weird because in the last few years, from what I remember, I think it was like maybe a year or two ago, I went to, they have a thing called Trail of Terrors which is essentially just a whole shitload of haunted houses. And it, was, it wasn't it was warm, but it wasn't, like, cold out. You know, you had to wear a sweater, but no fucking snow, no rain, nothing like that. So I don't maybe we'll get started with winter early this year. Yeah, I kind of know how you feel. I was thinking about going to the pool the other day. I checked the temperature, and it was only 102. And I was like, <laughs> it's a little too cold for the pool. So <laughs> That's too cold for you? Yeah. No one uses the pool after it gets below 110. During the fall time, everyone's already sick of the pool and it's too cold out. No one wants to go out there when it's less than 100 degrees. Well, I'm guessing they think people in uh, Minnesota are psychopaths when they're going in the lakes when it's like 70 degrees out. Yeah, that would be crazy here. If it was 70 degrees, you wouldn't see anyone doing anything near the water. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, we got uh, Let's move on to some, I guess, good news. Uh. Was he former governor, Chris Christie? Is, is he a governor? Yes, he was the former governor. Yeah, he is. Uh, he was on a ventilator for seven days, but it seems like he has made it out and he is okay. And now he is saying, maybe I should have been wearing a mask. So I guess he learned his lesson the hard way. Yeah, I guess he also has asthma. And mm. I guess if you have that pre-existing condition, then COVID's going to affect you really bad. So... That might be one of the things that led to him needing to be on a ventilator for seven days. But I imagine with his position, he was probably getting the same kind of drugs that Trump was getting. So uh, uh, young children's blood. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> adrenochrome also. Uh, for those who believe that, yeah, we were talking about the cringy girl who was on TV, the QAnon supporter who straight up admitted to a reporter's face that she believes the elites are cracking open kids like a Pez dispenser and drinking their blood. Uh, yeah, it was uncomfortable. But, uh, Phil, what else What else do we have in the news this week? Kind of something small. You mentioned QAnon. There was a uh, Biden and Trump held dueling town halls the other night, and some funny things for that. I guess they asked Trump about QAnon, and he said that he didn't know anything about QAnon and didn't um didn't really 
think that it was, he didn't say he didn't think it was true. He just kind of said that he didn't know anything about it. And I guess he's really trying to not seem like he's, you know, putting out these crazy things, but he's also not denying them. (laughs) There was another, there was, uh, it was a town hall. So the people were asking questions. One of the women who came up and asked a question actually started off by telling Trump how nice his teeth were. And what that seemed to be the most softball thing I've ever seen at a political debate. Huh. So. You know what? So Bianca showed me it was a podcast that basically is talking to people who know who the real QAnon is. Um, mm. I, had you heard about this? No, I have not. So basically, I didn't listen to the whole thing, but what I was listening to, essentially, it sounds like the guy was... He was a poster on 8chan, and he was doing this in the Philippines, but he was an American, and he kind of got obsessed with the power he was getting out of all of the followers, and from what I was gathering, he's just basically some neckbeard. Yeah, I imagine a lot of the people you'll find on like 8chan or all of these sites that kind of are perpetuating the QAnon deal, I'm guessing none of them have any kind of ties to anyone important. The only importance that they're getting is from the followers that they're gaining now. Well, yeah, my understanding was basically this guy was just, he kind of started out as a troll or whatever, but he saw all the power he was getting from having all these followers believe the shit he was saying, and he just kind of got obsessed with it, and then he just, now he kind of rolls with it. Yeah, I imagine it's kind of like we were talking about Flat Earth, how all of the flat, like the Flat Earth conspiracy started off as just internet trolls trying to piss people off and you know having fun with it and then it turned out to kind of form a movement so now these people are the leaders of this flat earth movement even though really deep down they probably don't believe it the problem is their followers wholeheartedly believe it yeah that's kind of the old theory i've had about cult leaders was i never knew if they actually believed the shit they're spouting or not or if they got so obsessed with the power that now they actually do believe it because they love that so much. Yeah. I don't in 2020 god we've had so many of these people pop up these new uh conspiracy overlords I guess so. Yeah. It's kind of run rampant. It's the modern day version of s- the snake oil salesman. The charlatans <laughs> from like you guys talk about on bubble butt just yeah. these guys who they get out there they're just trying to sell you a you know false packet of goods and just you know stuff like that and then they have to they have to pretend like they believe in it but maybe some of them the money's good enough and they start like espousing this shit long enough that they start believing it in themselves yeah well uh before we get started here phil why don't we go ahead and uh thank all our patrons thanks you for everybody who signed up phil and i are kind of changing directions we're gonna go something we're calling off the record which is essentially gonna be just Phil and I bullshitting, talking about whatever, some conspiracy stuff, some not. I don't know. Whatever comes up, we're going to talk about it. And then we're going to off and on watch some, I don't know, Phil called it a paranormal roundtable. I, I don't We're going to watch reportedly real reptilian footage or real UF footage or whatever, and then uh, kind of give our opinion about it. So I think that'll be kind of fun. Yeah, the kind of stuff like... The real supposed videos of cryptids and Bigfoot, that kind of stuff, too. So Honestly, I watch that on my own a lot. So (laughs) (laughs) watching it and talking about it with Phil, 
It'll be great. But anyway, Phil, why don't I let you take us on a journey this week? Take us into what this whatever subject we're talking about today. All right. Well, let me just get started today. So in ancient times on the open sea and pretty much any body of deep or expansive water was seen as really just an untamable and dangerous place for humans, controlled, of course, by the gods and protected by beings of such destructive power that any human caught out in their shaky vessels of old would have their crafts plucked off the surface of the waters, torn to bits, and have also the lifeless bodies of the sailors dragged down into the deep, cold depths, never to be heard from again. Now, these stories of dangerous sea monsters were prevalent among most all seafaring peoples on Earth, and perpetuated through myth and spread amongst the traders and explorers of ancient civilizations. So are you going to also talk about when two bro sailors get really lonely at sea and they decide, hey, he's looking kind of cute over there. Why don't I go ahead and give him a kiss? Not so much. Not, (laughs) Not exactly that story. No. And then when the two bros hook up, then they claim that they slept with a mermaid. Oh, yeah. Or a uh, jumped out of the water and hit up uh, one of those sea cows, what they all <laughs> thought was a mermaid. Oh, my God. I read something today that I, I'm going to need to cover in the future. A man who is living in the wilderness, right? He doc- allegedly documented his time with Bigfoot. And of course. He said Bigfoot molested one of his cows. Okay. Yeah, that seems plausible. <laughs> so I I don't know if Bigfoot likes cow pussy. Yes, I, I don't know how <laughs> to put it, but uh, anyway, you can. Well, you guys it. on the page on the Bumblebutt Patreon did uh, talk about one of the great documentary stories, bent over by Bigfoot. Bent over by Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah, we've gotten kind of dark there with the uh, Jurassic <laughs> Park and the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I haven't listened to those yet, but I still am going to. I just can't listen during work, so I have to listen on a speaker. <laughs> yeah, especially not the Ninja Turtles one. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard. <laughs> so this was mostly a device to explain all the unknown phenomena that threaten sailors. Well known now because of the meteorological and scientific studies that benefit humanities today, but wholly unexplained and terrifying to the superstitious ancients without the knowledge to explain the events that are so easily explained today, such as hurricanes, tsunamis, whirlpools, and under-the-sea tectonic activity. Okay. See, I... So we're talking about Obama's time... No, weather machine. Obama's, yes, the weather machine from Obama. <laughs> the do, the uh, <laughs> Powered by all of the illegal aliens that he allowed into the country the, for the other nefarious reasons. Now... I think I know what you're getting at here, but this is something that I I think psychologically for humans is very interesting because I think we're all technically afraid of water, right? We're all scared of being on the water and not knowing what's going to get us. I don't know if that's like a instinctual thing or whatever, but you know, yeah, you have large bodies of water, lakes, all of that. And we all kind of, uh, a lot of cultures, like you said, create mythical legends, and things like that. Yeah, I think really it's just the not knowing what's beneath the surface. Yeah. You could just be on a calm, nice, just a nice water, you know, really calm day, not a cloud in the sky. And then all of a sudden 
you could just be rocked by who knows, maybe a killer whale comes out and just capsizes your boat. Mm. I remember when uh, Monster Quest was in Minnesota, they uh, didn't have a monster to talk about. So they talked about killer pike or walleye, one of the two. And oh, those know, invasive species? No, no, no. Like, a, you know what a northern pike is, right? Yeah, they're, look, really, they're really big fish. Yeah, it's just like they don't get big enough to kill humans, but they're trying to make it sound like these are the deadliest creatures alive. I don't. It's pretty insane. Okay, I was thinking of those, that invasive species of fish that fly through the water and the jump out in the boats. And people like fishermen in boats end up getting hit by them. Uh, yeah, we don't have those here, but uh, I know what you're talking about. I think those are in maybe like the maybe like Lake Michigan or something like that. Ah, it could be. Yeah. Ancient superstition mixed with this lack of knowledge would lead these ancient peoples to create and trade stories of monstrous creatures lurking beneath the depths, waiting for the next opportunity to crush the ships and livelihoods of any unlucky party of men to cross their paths. And that is what we will be discussing today. Some of the most notorious sea monsters of ancient myths, and some of these myths even living on in story and popular media to this day. I'm not going to lie. I still question it. I still question what could be in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I was, uh, during my research, I was reading that really humans have only discovered what they think is about well it's about five percent of the the world's like waters and oceans and they keep finding new shit all the time so who knows what we could still find well i i think you were living here with me so that would have been over 10 years ago when they released that documentary about finally confirming the giant squid exists yes so there's scary shit down there i don't care what anybody says yeah, that was in 2004. I may yeah. be talking about that a little later. Ooh, so, okay. Yeah. So let me start off with the first one here. I'm going to start off with the, some of the lesser known and kind of move my way up. Okay. So uh, the Umabozo or Umabazu positioned off of the eastern shores of Asia. The Japanese have a rich tradition in fishing and seafaring, and many great sea myths have evolved throughout the extensive history of Japan, one of which is a monster that is said to strike on unsuspecting sailors attacking on calm nights. Now it is said that the monster appears just before a sudden storm and that experienced fishermen can see the signs that one is about to appear and will refuse to set sail. Okay, okay. Well, I can kind of see how the, like you said, this, well, okay, the storm thing is a warning that you could die from the storm, right? And they turn that into a monster kind of thing. You know what I well, mean? Well, it is kind of like that. But the, the, the sailors, before they set sail, they look out and they see how calm everything is. And right. that's kind of one of the signs oh, that okay. this creature may be in the area, is how calm it is. Okay. All right. So I imagine a lot of the... Fishing cultures have a lot of uh, fears of monsters. I am getting that. Imp- I'm, I have a feeling. Yeah, it's I mean, these stories come throughout the world. The Japanese, this first one is uh, taken from Japanese myth. And obviously being a long chain of islands in the Pacific, they're going to have a lot of these 
stories and myths mm. about sea creatures. Mm. Now, throughout Japanese histories, stories of monsters remained highly local. However, they would evolve and become regional as the small fishing villages consolidated into eventually larger ports. Now, one sea creature, however, is in fact nationally known among all of the coasts of Japan. Now, this creature, as I mentioned before, is named the Umabozu, a name that translates into sea monk, due to how the monster's large, smooth head resembles that of a Buddhist monk. (laughs) (laughs) So with some later myths even stating that these monsters are the spirits of drowned seafaring monks. However, there is no record of ancient Japanese stories saying that they were drowned monks. It's more recently that they're called uh, possibly the ghosts of drowned monks. Well, if the rumors are true that monks can't swim, then I guess that makes sense, right? Yeah, they sink like stones. Too thick of bones. That's what's the problem here. So when you said the monster has a smooth head, it just reminded me of all the anime I've watched where all the bad guys are bald. Have you ever yeah, noticed? Bald and bald and glistening with the sweat. They, yeah. they kind of look like this guy, actually. Huh. Interesting. I, apparently, Japanese do not trust bald people. No, they do not. And if you notice in the anime, all of the bad guys are never Japanese people. <laughs> I mean, that <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, they're always either some kind of monster, some kind of alien or American or Chinese. They're never <laughs> it's never a Japanese person. Highly nationalistic even to this day. <laughs> so the most widely known version of this monster is said to be a massive creature with slick black skin that blends into the night sky. Now, this version of the Umabozu is said to look like a giant octopus. Now, other regional myths state that the creature is covered in brown fur and more resembles a sperm whale, while other stories mention that the monster resembles a beautiful woman, and this takes place before transforming into a vicious monster that drags the sailors and ships down below the water. Universally, The creature is only ever seen from the shoulders up when emerging from the surface of the water. So you never see the monster's entire body, just from the shoulders up. So he could almost be like an iceberg, maybe. If you only see the tip of him, maybe he's huge below or something. Yes, there are are some theories of what this might be. But yeah, you never see the arms or the, the lower body. It's just the shoulders to the head. And it is said to be as large as a mountain in some cases. Damn, that's pretty big. I was just thinking, if you were to see a furry sperm whale, (laughs) God, what a weird thing. That'd be so weird. Yeah, that would be a fucking banner day in your fucking memory if you saw a sperm whale covered in fur, if you were a fisherman. I mean, you'd have to pet it, right? (laughs) You'd have to pet it. Anything with fur on it, you just naturally want to touch it. Throw a stick and see if it goes and fetches it, brings it back. I feel like the hair wouldn't help it swim very much, though. No, not at all. It's the reason why whenever they say what a mermaid would look like in real life, it always looks like a sea cow. Yeah. Because the fur would not aid it in the water at all. It is interesting. They kind of go into the, it might, kind of like a siren, I guess, is the best way you can put it lures the sailors by being a beautiful woman, then transforms and kills them, kind of the the mermaid, the siren type thing. 
Yeah, it is amazing how you don't really think about how much traveling some of these seafaring people did. But these stories, although they're not like universally, they don't all like blend together. You do see little pockets of similarities in a lot of these ancient stories from around the world. I feel like it has a lot to do with being isolated and being lonely in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah. It works on your brain a little bit. And storytellers, they all use like tropes. Like you would kind of use, you kind of see it's all the same story, just a little bit different. So, mm. so when the monster appears, it will quickly attack the vessel, either bashing the ship or capsizing it by using one of its many arms to ensnare the ship and pull the mast down. While other stories mention that the monster may in fact ask the sailors for a ladle (laughs) or a barrel, which the monster will then fill with water and dump on the ship in an attempt to sick the ship with the sailor's own property. Okay, well, a ladle's kind of small. Wouldn't that take like hours to fill up the ship to crash it? Oh, yeah, you would think you would have to. You'd have to want to be sunk at that point with a ladle. For a barrel, that's a little bit bigger. Yeah. And I could see the barrel maybe taking like minutes to maybe an hour, but a ladle. Yeah, you'd have to want it. <laughs> Unless they have like a walk sized ladle or they're giving him like 50. La- I don't know how many arms this thing has, but unless they're giving him like a shitload of ladles, I, I that might take a while. Yeah, or he just uses one of his many arm, or he uses all of his many arms and a bunch of ladles and just. <laughs> maybe the creature is actually like a. A dead lunch lady and just uses <laughs> <laughs> <is> a ladle. <laughs> Come get the, it, kids. <laughs> the soul of an old lunch lady just yeah. angrily filling up <laughs> the little slots with water. So the only way to escape death is by making a quick escape to the shore when the monster first appears. Or when asked for the ladle or barrel, giving the umbazu a barrel with a bottom that has been removed so that the monster is unable to sink the vessel, and this allows the seafarers to escape to land. So basically, they give him the barrel, but the bottom is removed. So every time he tries to fill up the barrel, it just falls out the bottom. You know what I've noticed? So uh, I've obviously, like, I'm Bumblebutt. I've done, like, the Japanese demons and stuff. They always have, like, a simple trick to trick whatever creature it is. Well, what, what, one of the common things is, like, if you see movies, you see them put salt around stuff. Allegedly, that's because the demon has to count every single grain of salt, which takes yes. an eternity, which means they can't come get you. That's kind of a common trope among a lot of paranormal stories is the thing with the salt. That's also the show Supernatural. There's uh they spill some salt on the ground and I think one of the demons that sits there and has to, is counting the grains of salt. Yeah. That's how they escape. You think this creature wouldn't be that stupid? Like he'd yeah. see the hole in the barrel. Well, it's kind of one of those children's stories where uh, the children are really scared, but then they're like, "Oh, but you know, if you do this one little thing, you can beat them. <laughs> you know, don't be too scared. Just always carry some salt with you or something, you know." I guess that's e- that easy. Yeah. So the sightings of the monster actually range in size quite a bit, with the sizes of the offspring being only a few inches long and highly susceptible to strikes from the oars of the sailors. They also go all the way up to the massive size mentioned before, with the visible part of the monster emerging, with some reported 
10 meters out of the water. Okay, that's I so that'd be about 17 I think, foot, I think, somewhere in there. Yeah, it's just less than 20 feet, uh, I believe. So if you see an offspring, you just hit it with an oar and it, what, Thanos disintegrates or what? It starts crying and ah. kind of goes away. It it's I guess the the offspring are trying to sink you also, but they're so small they can't do it. So they just get hit with the oars and it ends up just go swimming away. <laughs> okay. All right. So the latest report of an Umbazi came in 1971 when a group of tuna fishermen off the coast of New Zealand were pulling up their nets. This is when a creature with brown wrinkled skin and large eyes, these eyes were reported to be six inches in diameter, emerged to a height of about five feet from the surface of the water. Now it was tangled in the lines that were used to attach the nets. Okay, are we sure this isn't Peter Jackson? It could be. It also <laughs> is in Paul Hogan territory. So we also you, have to worry about Paul Hogan. Look, he's a devout Australian. He is not stepping foot on Kiwi property. You know that. That is true. He is an Australian national treasure. Mm -hmm. Now, the sight of the creature scared the veteran sailors very much. And upon returning to Japan, the Japanese Oceanography Department investigated the matter. And this was because the belief really was that these experienced fishermen should have been able to easily identify a whale or any kind of other large ocean creature if that had been, in fact, the culprit. Maybe they have they ate the wrong part of a uh, what's that puffer fish or something? One maybe of those. Oh, one balls. of the poisonous one of the poisonous parts of the fish. Yeah, maybe they were. I mean, you. I don't know. What could they be seeing? What could they be seeing? Yeah. Well, so really in the ancient sightings, they believe that the phenomena of the Umbazu is believed to be really just kind of the imaginations. You were mentioning the lonely sailors before. They're also highly superstitious. And that kind of combined with natural events, such as rogue waves, ocean storms, or simply just a whale or a giant octopus. Yeah, I mean, that, that was kind of my first guess. My second guess was maybe Chef Ramsay had just prepared a plate of fish <laughs> and chips and the secret ooze fell on it, got into the water, and they were attacking the Japanese here. It is. It's funny that you mentioned the secret ooze. There's actually <laughs> the Japanese would pour a like kind of like a mush. It was like a kind of like oats mixed with flour, something like that. And they would pour this paste into the water because they thought that the umbazu would run away from this this mixture. Mm, okay. I, so they make ocean oatmeal, and that's supposed to scare them. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It was kind of like a, a quirky little thing that one of their little superstitions, they would pour this mixture into the water. Interesting. Okay, well, if anybody out there, I know we have Japanese listeners, um, if the Umbazu... <laughs> Was it Umbazu? Uh, Umibozu. Umibozu attacks you. Well, you know, just dump your instant oatmeal overboard and you'll get rid of them. Yeah. So we were kind of talking about this. There's quite a few of them, so we can talk about each of them individually. I mean, really, this kind of seems like they were just seeing either whales or giant octopus. They're pretty universally known myths that come from these two creatures. So... 
Well, you know what? I'm crossing my fingers and hoping there's just a giant monster down there. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, it does kind of remind me on if you ever played the game Minecraft, there are little monsters that exist in the water that kind of actually look like octopus that do the kind of the same thing when you're out on a boat on Minecraft. They like try to take down your vessel. So, huh? Okay. well, I've heard. Have you ever heard the rumor that Minecraft is actually our reality without simulation theory being activated? Oh, no, I have not heard that. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I just made it up. <laughs> just made it up? Yeah, Hell I kind yeah. of so. <laughs> so I'll move on to the next one quick. The Iakuazu. I love that. Now, according to Celtic myths of the rivers and lakes of Wales and Scotland, there are shape-shifting spirits that resemble tame horses, but are, in actuality, bloodthirsty monsters that have a much more sinister purpose. One of these monsters is known as the Kelpie, a horse-like spirit that has the ability to adapt to a human form. Now, this monster, the Kelpie, inhabits the Scottish Highlands. Okay, now, I think I have heard of this thing, and I think this thing's actually kind of cute, if I remember right. Yeah, well, they can make themselves look look pretty cute. They okay. can also make themselves look terrifying, too, so... <laughs> Uh, I guess just like Barbus Rising. <laughs> True. Just, <laughs> just, just like Rosie O'Donnell. Just <laughs> turn it on and off on a whim. So the Kelpie is said to appear as a tame horse to children who approach this horse on a river or lake. Now, when the child approaches the horse for a ride, this monster's skin then becomes very, very sticky, trapping the child. The monster will then take the child beneath the waters, drowning and eventually eating them. Now, another method of attack the Kelpie will use is by transforming into the image of a large, hairy human being. They lurk near the water and they wait to ambush travelers and crush them in their vice-like grip. Okay, so their two options of attack are essentially being a giant human flytrap um, yes. or being Brock Lesnar, kind of. Yeah, maybe. Brock Lesnar is not quite so hairy. Look, he probably, probably one of the, Probably one of the 80s wrestlers. Well, he... Uh, I can't even think of the guy's name. Uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, maybe? Yes, possibly more like Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Okay. So, is the... Let's say the, the Kelpie, right? When he's in the horse form, is he in the water, then the kids get on him? No, he's he's next to the water. If I see a horse in the water, I'm not getting on that. Yeah, so what the Kelpie does is they are right next to the water, and they look like a very tame horse just kind of waiting there for someone to come back and grab them. That's why kind of like the myth is that people would just like run up to them and like jump on their backs because they look like a very tame horse. Well, I will blame Disney for that because in all their goddamn movies, the horse is your friend. This is what yeah, happens. In all of those movies, you do, all of the main characters do just kind of walk up to random horses and jump on their back, just like Red Dead Redemption. Horses are not like that in real life. <laughs> well, in the Disney movies, the horse is always like the comedic relief. That's true. Bastards. Anyway. Yeah. So another kind of more mermaid-like attack that the Kelpie will employ is when they use their transformation ability to appear as a beautiful nude woman. This is to entice young men to the edge of the water. They will then use the same methods as before, 
pulling the men down into the water and consuming them. Okay, all right. I mean, so it's got three. This thing must be hard to avoid. Three methods of attack. You're pretty much not safe unless you're just a middle-aged woman, right? Well, or we'll get possibly. You We'll get there okay. in a All half right. second. So much like the Kelpie, the Eakuazu is also a river spirit that uses transformation to trick humans. However, this horse creature also has the ability to transform to a man's shape in an attempt to seduce young women and impregnate them. Though they can be easily spotted and identified due to the lengths of seaweed in their hair. Fuck, okay, I guess I just mentioned it and you brought it up here. Well, I have a theory now, okay. and the seaweed in the hair fits. Jason Momoa is a Kelpie. Yes, Jason Momoa is in fact an, an Iakuaju. Uh, <laughs> look, ladies, I know a lot of you are obsessed with them, and I know a lot of ladies who are obsessed with them, but be careful, because clearly he's not human. He has seaweed in his hair. You can watch any one of his movies. He has seaweed in his fucking hair. He'll kill you. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, just watch Game of Thrones. See? Right yep. there. Right there. I mean, that was probably his... Mo that was him learning how to cover up his real identity. I guess in, in Aquaman, he kind of got to be 50-50. You know, half Kelpie, yeah. half human. So let's just it's be careful. It's amazing when that show first came out, no one knew who the fuck he was. And then all of a sudden afterwards, he was like a household name just from that show. He's a real 2000s Burt Reynolds. That's what he is. True. <laughs> well, just like the. <laughs> yeah, we'll go. We'll stay with that one. The Kelpie, though, do have a weakness. Like I mentioned before with the other, it kind of is a trope of these monsters all that you have to really do is capture the bridle out of the Kelpie's mouth, and you will gain the ability to have control not only of just that Kelpie, but of any other Kelpie that you may come across. All right, I misspoke, ladies. Get Jason Momoa. Just make sure to get his <laughs> bridle out of his mouth, and then you're good <laughs> to go. Then you can marry him or do whatever you want to him. That's just like Game of Thrones. Right. <laughs> she, she, she didn't tame him. By making him be on the bottom. She got the bridle out of his mouth. See? That's the perfect thing. Damn it. So in Scottish legend, it is written that the McGregor clan had captured one of these bridles and would pass the bridle down throughout the ages to succeeding heads of clan of the McGregor family. Now, the most famous member of the McGregor clan was Rob Roy McGregor, who was a very famous and infamous pain in the ass of the royal family of Britain and supporter of the cause of the Jacobites. And he also raided a shit ton of villages and led his clan into battle against the British. Okay, so I understand why they didn't like him very much. Yeah, possibly. The, the legend may be that even it got passed down to Rob Roy McGregor, and this is where some of their battle prowess and some of their fame came from. Is that what that movie's about, Rob Roy? No, that okay. is not about Rob Roy. That's much <laughs> earlier. That's You're talking about uh, the Braveheart movie, right? No, there's um, there's literally a movie called Rob Roy. Oh. I think. I imagine so. I haven't seen it. It's got that one, the one really famous 80s actress who had like the dimple or she had like the birthmark. 
I can't think of what her name is. Anyway, we'll move on. Yeah. So a captured Kelpie is actually said to be 10 times stronger than that of a regular horse. And it also has many times more the endurance of just your standard horse. I bet your ass wishes you could get a Kelpie on Red Dead too, don't you? I was just thinking about that. I do I do have the the white Arabian horse on Red Dead and it's pretty good. It's a little bit better than the rest of them, but yeah, a Kelpie would be fucking amazing. Oh yeah. <laughs> now really quick before I move on to the next monster, what do you think about the Kelpie? Do you I mean, what would you think if you actually came across one of these horses? I don't I don't know. I mean, I like horses, but I don't think I would ride them anyway. I guess I would just try to avoid all horses. Or maybe look inside their mouth, see if I could find that bridle. But really, I just think, I feel like the Scottish and the Celtics are really superstitious, or they were back then, yes. from what I know. They have, God, they have fairies, they have demons, they have fucking everything, witches, everything. So, I think it's just another superstition. Yeah, I was definitely also thinking this might be just a story to tell children to keep them from stealing other people's horses. Or the fact that a horse can kick you and kill you, like, fucking instantly, too. Oh, yeah, that's true also. You you can't just walk up to some strange horse, because you don't know its temperament. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, just be careful with horses, especially in Scotland. That's yeah, the this is, moral of the story. This is not a Disney movie. That horse might trample you. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to be friendly. <laughs> So, going to move on to the next of these monsters. Now, stories of massive sea turtles can be found in countless civilizations around the world. From the creation stories of a large turtle with the whole world on its back, to nefarious monsters that resemble living islands in order to entice wary sea travelers for a stay on its lush banks, only to come to life and take men down the water's surface. Okay, is this monster called Sandals Beach and Resorts? <laughs> <laughs> it might be. I believe it also, uh, Chris Christie might also use this method in the future. So post-COVID, of uh, course. Uh, yeah, it's, I'm trying to think of, is there a Disney movie or Pixar movie where it's a turtle with like the island on its back? I don't know if it's with the island on its back, though they do have a few Disney movies with turtles in it. F uh, Finding Nemo, they have some yeah. pretty cool turtles in that one. I swear there's like one of those movies where it's like the turtle with the island on its back. I could be thinking of something else. I'm sure that they probably stole it from some Native American myth and then forced them to sign over all rights to their own stories. <laughs> so knowing Disney, how I, they work. I know in World of Warcraft, there is an island. Uh, it's a turtle, but it's also like an island on the in the game. So I know that exists, but I swear it was somewhere else. Anyway, continue on. So one of these mythical creatures, the Aspidoshalon, was created by Christian monks sometime in the 2nd century AD. Now they had written this story down in the pages of illustrated books, meant to teach Christians the lessons of the Bible kind of in more of a story form. So and it's really the same shit that they do to kids nowadays. I, it's just back then they had to do this with adults because they couldn't read. I was just going I was just going to say so this is literally the OG kids Bible. Yes, pretty much. Okay. They would. The sad thing is, a lot of these I was reading up were written on recycled paper from very important kind of like scientific discoveries. There's a lot of stories of the 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 old libraries of ancient times having their papers taken by Christians and reprinted on. 
Interesting. Wow. Okay. It's it's weird that the Bible mentions a turtle, don't you think? Yes. Well, I'll, I'll kind of mention it a okay. little bit. They're okay. using it more as a metaphor. Gotcha. Okay. I figured what you were going to say is they took these pages and said only Protestants live on that giant turtle, which means they're very evil. Well, yeah, the second century AD, there weren't actually any <laughs> Protestants, but I'm sure there was some Romans and Jews for them to hate on. So, Right. So the Aspidoshalon sits out in the open waters, camouflaging itself with lush vegetation and trees on its back, even surrounding itself by sandy beaches. Now, this is in an effort to try to entice wary sailors to stop on the island and make camp on the beautiful shores for a little bit of a respite. Now, when the sailors light their nightly campfire, the massive sea turtle will quickly wake up and submerge itself, drowning the sailors and devouring them. This sounds a lot like fucking Jesse Ventura and Alex Jones. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, a tiny bit. They hide out and camp camouflage themselves on beaches. Maybe not eating they go, the sailors part, but they're, they're hiding out in beaches. Trying to sell you their fucking, their <laughs> shitty uh, survivalist crap. Their tactical bath bombs and shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, like you were mentioning before, like the reason why they're making a turtle into a Bible story, this is meant to be a lesson to try to avoid the temptation of Satan, of course, and to never allow yourself to become too comfortable, as that's when our Lord and Savior Satan will strike against you. Okay, I see what they're getting at there. I I don't know. Turtles are too cute to be kind of evil, though, I think. Yeah, well, they're trying to... Basically say Satan will take many forms. Mm. So they he'll just, appear as a turtle and take you down. They should have just stuck with the fucking serpent. I've seen yeah. snakes can go on water too. Well, the problem is, you know, that whole snake legend was a little old by then and everyone's already worried about serpents. So people probably aren't too worried about turtles though. Right. I mean, Phil, consider this. You got to be careful with turtles because turtles have a lot of diseases. So, oh, I didn't think about that. You don't want to touch them, or at least wash your hands after you touch them. Yeah, I don't know about. I know, like land tortoises are. You don't. You want to not touch them because they might be like snapping turtles. But I, I don't know. I've always heard turtles have a lot of diseases. You got to be careful with them. Oh, same from Wisconsiners. (laughs) True. Or Wisconsinians, whatever they want to be called (laughs) these days. Very true. So there are some other massive sea turtle monsters from myths couple of them are the great atun from the book Discworld. now this was a planet-sized turtle that swam through space you probably seen this picture before it had four massive elephants on its back and on the backs of those elephants was a balanced flat earth hell yeah so the flat earther comes back see i might be more down with flat earth if they said it was just a giant turtle carrying us around Pretty yeah a giant sweet. turtle swimming through space it's fucking sweet man Honestly, with how crazy that fucking flatter shit is, I'm surprised it's not. <laughs> so there's also the ancient Iroquois creation myth of Ha Nu Na. Now, this is a turtle that became the earth bearer. And one of the quotes from this story, when he stirs, the sea rise in great waves. And when restless and violent, earthquakes yawn and devour. So basically, this was the creation myth of the earth on the back of this massive sea turtle. Okay, I like it. I'm digging it. 
I'm going to be real with you, though. If we're discussing this, I don't think... I, the turtle so far seems the least logical of all of them. Yeah, I think it's just because they were seen kind of as something you could put... It, it was something that you could put great things on the back of. So if you had to like put an animal as what would carry the earth, maybe, you know, in they didn't have big animals like elephants or that kind of thing. But if they saw a turtle, like, oh yeah, you could imagine something being put on the back of that. That's something True. maybe they had in the area. Is it possible that NASA has been lying to us that we are actually... On a flat planet with a giant fucking turtle swimming through space. We could actually be just standing on a turtle shell right now. Who knows? Huh, God damn it. All right. Continue on. So I really just, I mean, we just kind of mentioned it a little bit, but minus the creation myths, which are really just kind of creation myths, there are larger turtles from that have gone extinct in the past few million years. The largest one that I found they said was up to 13 meters long, which is pretty fucking, or 13 feet long, sorry, which is pretty fucking massive for a turtle. The largest ones that we have around today could reach uh, lengths of about six feet. Yeah. God damn, that's a big turtle, 13 meters. God, it's a big turtle. Well, no, I think it's 13 feet. I missed oh, 13 I meant, feet. 13 I meant to meters. say feet instead of meters. But still a big still, turtle. Still, I mean, it was about 5,000 pounds they thought the turtle would weigh. That's uh, bigger than a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Yeah, it's about the size of a redneck's fucking truck. Like, boosted <laughs> way the fuck up. That's about how much one of those bad boys weighs. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I would be afraid of them. Yeah. So next up, we're going to talk about the Adoro. Now, the Adoro is a merman that was said to live in the Solomon Islands. Now, this Adoro had gills behind his ears, fins for feet, a horn like a shark's dorsal fin and swordfish-like spear growing out of its head. Now, the beast is also actually on the current 10-cent coin from the Solomon Islands. That's pretty fucking sweet. I yeah, kind of want that, one of those. It's that famous around there that they put it on its money. That's like the Canadians, how they put hockey on their money. It's because it's the most important thing. They put it on their beaver bucks. How long before America puts a Big Mac on theirs? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or a fat kid that's slowly dying of diabetes. Just <laughs> uh, So it almost sounds like Kevin Costner in Waterworld. A little bit how he had fins on his side. He, he yeah. had gills. gills oh, the, gill, the gills, gills on his side. Yeah, mm, that's okay. what I meant. Yeah, he had webbed feet, I think, too. I don't know about his hands, but he had webbed feet. Yeah, there's uh, there's actually a show out on Amazon Prime. It's called The Boys, and there's a kind of a parody of Aquaman, and he has this weird thing where he doesn't take off his shirt around anyone because he has the large gills on his side. Gotcha. And he, he doesn't want anyone to see that, so kind gotcha. of the same thing. Okay. Now, the Adoro is said to be the evil side of humans that, after death, separates from the good otherwise known as the angua now after the person dies the angua actually kind of like goes away goes up to its final resting place but the adoru is said to go into the water and become this monster gotcha okay that's pretty sweet yeah so the adoru is said to hate all living humans and will shoot people passing by the waters with a 
poisonous fish that he fires at them, hitting them in the neck and killing them. Jesus, sounds like a darker... Maybe this is Finding Nemo 3 right here. Nemo gets mad and starts firing poison fish at people and killing them. I don't know. Gets pissed off, yeah. It's it's pretty... (laughs) God, that one's pretty dark. I guess they're all kind of dark, but... Yeah, I don't. I don't know how you'd come up with this one outside of a crazy hermit who lives by the water, and you want to stay away from him. I don't know. Yeah, I think this is like we were talking about the Japanese before, with how important the ocean and the seas are to certain people. The Solomon Islands, the people who inhabit, would have been pretty much like primarily people living amongst the ocean, living right. on the shores. So right. I think that's really why this Adoro is like so important in their miss. I kind of like, I don't know if you want to call it like a dual soul, but where one's good and one's evil, but the evil one remains here and stuff. I kind of like that. Kind of like how you hear about like the, the, the ghosts are just like the shadows of the old humans. Like all the good's gone and all that's left is just the bad. Yeah. Well, just, yeah, just the husk. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that one's pretty sweet, Phil. I like that one. Yeah. It's uh they these so those ones that we were just kind of talking about are some of the smaller ones, maybe some of the lesser known ones that you really haven't heard of. So now we're gonna move on to some of the bigger boys in the, yeah. the whole sea monster crew. <laughs> so first we're gonna start off with the Leviathan. Now the Leviathan is an ancient Jewish myth that is thought to have originated from ancient Mesopotamia. According to Jewish myth, God actually created the Leviathan before he created man, and that was Adam and Eve. Okay. Now, now, God worried that if the Leviathans made it, their descendants would consume the world. So, he killed the female and served the meat to Adam and Eve, and even made skin, made fine clothing out of their skins. The male Leviathan, though, was castrated and left alive to be served to the righteous during the end times final meal. So... Are you saying, first off, God's a dick if he did this. He basically made him and then just essentially eviscerated him. And so you're saying when the new end of the world comes, we'll have this guy to eat? Yes, the Leviathan. It's it's one of the three creatures that's going to be served during the end times. I'm not exactly sure, but I think it's the Leviathan, the behemoth, which is the large land creature, and a large sky creature. I think that those might be the three animals served at the end times meal. Okay, how does this make sense? The f- the female leviathan fed two people. How the fuck is the male leviathan with no balls going to feed the whole population? Well, I mean, they're it's only the righteous people. So oh. who knows? There might only be like 20 or 30 of them. They're probably all Mormons. <sighs> Well, true, I guess. Uh, Leviathan's <laughs> also a demon in the Bible. I'm pretty sure. Maybe the, he is a demon in this, too. Well, it's these ancient Jewish myths where the Leviathan kind of came from, and it was a monster that, if you watch the show Supernatural once again, the Leviathan is in that show, and it actually takes human form, and it eats humans. Oh, okay. Interesting. Like Kelly Ripley. <laughs> Kelly Ripa? Ripa, yeah. <laughs> Ripley. Yeah. Ripley is uh that's fucking aliens movie. Yeah, isn't it? she's the good guy. She'd kill yeah. a Leviathan for sure. Oh, definitely. So the Leviathan is usually referred to as a giant monstrous fish, 
but is also commonly described as a sea serpent or kind of like a crocodile or other marine animal, kind of like a whale. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like it, everything I've heard of this thing, it doesn't really have like a definitive shape, I guess. It's just like a big monster. A lot of times I see it always has like a million eyes on it. Yeah, it depends on who, just like everything with the, you know, these ancient myths, it depends on when it was painted and who painted it and where they were from. It's kind of like the, you know, the artist's discretion, what this thing's going to look like. Right. All right. Well, I guess it'd be spooky. No, definitely. So actually a fossil of an extinct whale was discovered in Peru in 2008 and it was actually given the name of this myth- mythical beast. It is an extinct member of the sperm whale genus, and it was named Leviathan Melville <laughs> and had massive teeth in its upper and lower jaw and is said to have grown anywhere between 44 and 57 feet. And it's thought to have hunted other large whales of the time. Now, the animal has been extinct for about 12 million years now. So the teeth in its mouth are about a foot long. God damn. I mean, there's some humans I've seen with foot long teeth too, but, uh, yes. The, so you've heard the common f- phrase of Melvin, right? Uh, yes. which is kind of a dork. It's funny they named this thing the Leviathan Melville, and it looks like a giant dork as well. So. A little bit, yeah. I I figured you were going to mention the whole Melvin thing. How big is a normal sperm whale, do you know? Um, It's actually, it's kind of the same size, just a little smaller. Okay, so, but this is a, it's it's still pretty fucking big. I would be, I mean, if this is a meat eater, I don't, I don't know, do sperm whales, I feel like they eat plankton, don't they? Well, blue whales, which actually get much larger than 44 to 57 feet, they're the ones that kind of suck in the water and take in all the plankton. I believe the sperm whales actually are meat eaters. I think that they do eat. That's why this animal is related to the sperm whales that we have today, because I believe they also have teeth. But I'm not exactly sure about that. Okay, interesting. So so are you saying you think maybe the ancient Jewish text or whatever maybe this is what they saw no it's just the fact that the name i brought this up oh, kind of because see. the name leviathan kind of goes along so much that they saw this animal with all these this huge animal with all these teeth in their mouth and they kind of came up with the name leviathan got you okay well delightful name gonna say yeah. that i uh it, i wish we had a creature that this metal in the world still it is. If you had a kid, it'd be a cool middle name, <laughs> Leviathan. I th- feel like you might get some dirty looks. We're not quite out of the "if you're not Christian, we accept you" phase yet. Yeah. Well, I don't think humans will ever, you know, be out of that stage where they don't like people of other religions. True. True. So, do you think this thing could exist? I mean, there aren't really. It's not like you hear about old ancient sailors seeing a Leviathan that much i mean really like we like we mentioned before it has many many different people have done many different renditions of it so it seems like any like large sea creature could be a leviathan or it could be just the people who made up the bible or the old testament the torah i guess whatever it's in 
they might have just been like, okay, we need a metaphor for something very large and scary. Uh, let's do a sea creature, any sea creature, you know. And maybe they just saw a whale once. The interesting thing is because if you take, okay, let's say the the Jewish faith has the Leviathan. Is it the Greeks? What was their giant giant sea creature? They had a hydra. Was it a hydra? Yes. I thought- I swear there's another name for it. I cannot think of what the other name for it is. Ah, well, maybe I'll remember it later on. But it's basically it like the, a water god thingy. Was it the Kraken? It. I don't think they called it a Kraken, though. I thought they called it something else. I don't know. We can, we can move on. Maybe it is. Okay. So uh, what do you think? I mean, it's... I think it could be a just a really good storytelling device uh possibly maybe they saw something back then and they just kind of had that monster i mean really it could be anything though they maybe saw a crocodile for the first time and thought it was you know leviathan here's the thing if this creature's that big technically it could hide in our oceans but i would assume it'd have to eat so much food if it's that big you know what i mean Oh, yeah, definitely. You would find the carcasses of sharks and other water animals just floating around. Unless it's from like, it getting beaten. unless it's like a mystical creature that's hibernating on the bottom of the ocean or something. Or the, like some people think that the megalodon is still around and it's under the waters. Hell yeah. That thing is, that, that is the ultimate terrifying fucking thing. Oh, yeah, Uh, a fucking shark that's the size of a fucking sperm whale. That would be fucking crazy. uh, Couldn't couldn't the Megalodon eat a whole school bus? Oh, yeah. Like in a bite? Yeah. Yeah, in a bite. If you you take a look at, like, how big a... Some of these animals and you put a school bus next to it or, like, a car or a human next to it, it just pales in comparison to how large this thing is. It could eat a human. It could eat it in one bite. Just swallow it like a fucking aspirin. Yeah, uh, my my tattoo artist, he who listens to the show. Hey, Travis, I uh, go to Shark Tooth Tattoo. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> if you're in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Now, anyway, he collects megalodon teeth, so he showed me some of the fossils that he has. Fucking man, it, I think he said they had like three hundred of them teeth in their mouth. God mm-hmm. damn, you get bit by one of those, you might as well just kiss your ass goodbye. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you wouldn't even you would be so small compared to what it would normally eat, though. You wouldn't even register as like a fucking appetizer. <laughs> no, <It's, laughs> you probably look like fucking Gordon Ramsay, Julianne, your whole body. Like, oh, ah, yeah. God, you'd be you'd be eviscerated one bite and you'd be turned into fucking chunks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so kind of moving on to the last big one that we're going to have today. Now, originating from the ancient Scandinavian myths. Stories of this sea monster has terrorized the sailors of the North Atlantic for centuries. Now, it's said to have lived off the coast of Norway and Greenland. This, of course, is the mythical kraken. Hell yeah. Now, it is thought to have originated from sightings of giant squid. Now, giant squid can grow anywhere between 45 to 50 feet in length. I'm just going to say this, Phil. Norwegians are not known for lying. So... We might have to take this serious. Yeah, old blue, old uh, Bluetooth. When he <laughs> yeah. brought everyone together, he couldn't lie one little bit. Nope. Uh, and they have to be one of the biggest seafaring countries back in the day, right? Well, they were. Let's see. 
they weren't a united country really until maybe the 1918, like late 18, early 1900s. Mm. But they're during the Viking days, they were definitely terrorizing everyone. Really, it harkened back to the people of the sea and how terrorizing they were back in the fucking Copper Age. So, right. Well, I what I mean is, I guess they'd be the ones who would see some shit out on the ocean. Oh yeah, definitely. They were the first ones that had boats that could actually go out in the open ocean. The the old long boats. I hope. I hope what you're gonna say is how you get rid of a kraken is by like dumping all your lutefisk and left side in the ocean, and it instantly goes away. It won't even oh. eat it. It will not even eat pickled uh, herring. It won't even go near. It's too gross. All of the salted reindeer. <laughs> yes. Just dump that in the water, and it goes away. <laughs> Now, the stories of ancient Kraken are really extensive throughout history. And when a Kraken would attack in these stories, it would wrap its long tentacles around the vessel, crushing the hull and pulling the ship under the water, with the terrorized sailors being ripped off the deck and flung into the freezing depths of the North Atlantic Ocean. We still, to this day, have the Kraken... I guess, illustrated everywhere under the uh, Captain Morgan black label, right? Yes. He's, he's, isn't that the Kraken on there? I believe so. I yeah, mean, it's kind of that cool design. It's cool design. Don't drink it. I, yeah. I hate rum. It's <laughs> fucking disgusting. But, uh, but yeah, he's on there. I mean, I would say the Kraken is probably the most... It, almost anybody can picture the tentacle coming up and twisting... You know, the mass of the boat and just crumpling it up. Yeah, the reason why this is kind of like the biggest one that I'm going to talk about today is because not only is it huge in myth and legend, it's also really big in popular media. Right. Any time they need to have seafarers in a movie or book or TV show out in the open ocean for like ancient times and to be attacked, it's always like this kraken, this large – it was a – in that, what was that Disney movie? Pirates of the Caribbean. I, was I think they were attacked by a kraken in that show. Yes, Jack Sparrow had a sexual relationship with that kraken. That's how they ended up taming the beast, Hell of yeah. course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he used to be a sex icon, too. Now it's Momoa. It's Momoa. It's the age of Momoa. Yeah, well, now he kind of looks like a ho- old, like an old homeless lady. So if you see I, him, I, I, well, the rumor is he has a cocaine and drinking problem, but, uh, nobody's surprised just flying through money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he puts, uh, yeah, he just flies like as much money as we can make in a year. He'll go through in like half a day. Like in the morning, he'll go through that much money. I mean, that's Johnny Depp. Nobody's surprised. He's a drug addict. Definitely. So another method of destruction that would be wrought from the Kraken was when you would see one emerging from the water, sitting just off the bow of your ship, and upon submerging back into the water, the Kraken would leave behind a giant whirlpool that would form and suck the vessel under the water, bringing all of the sailors to their cold, dark depths of the ocean. Now, this one, I think out of everything, probably has the most logical uh, explanation a whirlpool, right? They happen in the ocean, don't they? 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those things where we were talking about ancient people. Sometimes they see natural events and they just can't explain it. So they come up with things. Right. A whirlpool would be extremely terrifying and you wouldn't know what the fuck was going on if you didn't know exactly like what was happening. So, I mean, saying that a Kraken must have formed this whirlpool would kind of make sense to you. You could yeah. easily explain it to other sailors right. to watch out for these things. Right. So the Kraken, like I mentioned before, was thought to be just another version of the mythical giant sea squid that have popped up around the world. But the first evidence of a real-life colossal squid was discovered in 1857 when Danish naturalist Jepetus Steenstrup <laughs> I said that wrong, but fuck him, he's dead, found the beak of a giant squid that had washed up on the Danish shores. And he was actually eventually sent parts of other giant squids found from around the world after he reported on this discovery. Well, you know, damn, all this wood-clogging boy here, he probably picked it up and said, ooh, these would make excellent shoes. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, actually, these are a beak to a sea monster. This would be great to hang from my windmill. He's <laughs> got a little giant squid uh, wind chime near his windmill. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so squids belong to a group of sea animals known as cephalopods. And cephalopods have been around for about 500 million years now. So they've seen some shit. They've yeah. been out there. They, yeah, they've been through some shit. So naturalists actually began to study not only the remains of deceased giant squids, like the ones that the naturalist from before had found, but also the fossilized remains of ancient giant squid, which they actually left behind the imprints of their giant suction cups on the undersides of their tentacles behind. And it, if you see these, the fossilized remains of what their tentacles, you could definitely see it's a, it's a giant squid. Yeah. They're so fucking big. They're so yeah. fucking big. And I don't think all squids have it, but they have like two exceedingly long arms on them, don't they? Yes. That's actually one of their methods of attack is they will grab with their longest arms but if they get you with the shorter arms too, they're the ones with the gigantic suction cups, and that's how they they wrap up uh, their prey. Their prey, yeah, it's very scary. I would hate to be touched by one of them things. Oh yeah, if you were, I mean, if you were ever attacked by a giant squid, you're already dead because you're out in the middle of the ocean by your, you know, out. In the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're. I I don't think that they actually really attack anything on the surface. It's all. Like deep, deep underwater. That's why humans don't really see them a lot. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I've always heard. They're super deep under there. Yeah, and that's why in Segway time, and yeah, that's yeah. why in 2004, the first ever image of a live giant squid was taken for the first time ever anyone ever seen one after Tsunimi Kubadera of the National Science Museum in Tokyo, Japan, teamed up with whale expert. Kayachi Moru to lure a giant squid after tracking the location of sperm whale pods. Uh, sperm whale pods actually are very well known to eat giant squids. Yeah. That's where they found a lot of the remains of giant squids was in sperm whale stomachs. Yep, this is, I was going to bring this up, but I figured you would as well. Uh, yeah, the, the sperm whales go down really, 
okay, what was it that they said they migrate and then they kind of disappear for a while. Nobody knows where they're going and they think they go really deep and then they eat a shitload of giant squids. Yes. Something like that. They're going down to get their prized fucking kill, I guess, is the giant (laughs) squid. And unlike the mythical Kraken, we just mentioned it, giant squid, they live really, really deep under the ocean. They are like really not known to attack ships ever. Uh, Giant squids in general are actually found all over the world, which is kind of why these myths of the Kraken and other giant squids are can be found really anywhere. So real, they're they're everywhere, every ocean. Yes, yep, really? they're pretty much found in every ocean. Hmm, interesting. Uh, do you think there's giant octopuses? I believe I don't know if there's giant octopuses. I know just of giant squids. Huh. I octopuses are the ones that have the eyeball that's in kind of like the center where their arms come out, right? Uh, is that or is that the no, that, giant squids that have the mouse there? Well, squids, I I no octopus have like the fucking bulgy ass eyes, the droopy eyes kind of I think, and squids have them on the sides of each head, kind of like a bird. Okay, so yeah, I don't know much. I don't really know the difference. So, well, that's what I was gonna ask because I know I think octopus are like exceedingly smart. I wonder if mm. squids are too. Yeah, I was actually reading up on squids, and they think that they're like one of the most intelligent ocean animals. And I guess I I always thought it was dolphins, but I guess squids are really smart too. I was friends with a chick in college and she was telling me, I guess she was really big into like animals. She was talking about how smart squids were. And apparently they had one in a jar and it was able to undo the jar by putting its arms up and unscrewing the jar. So it's pretty smart, I guess. Oh yeah. Uh, You know, my sister worked at the aquarium and they had one, and I think it was an octopus. Maybe it was a squid. But, like, yeah, you had to be real careful because that thing could, like, figure its way out of there and shit. Yeah. Well, just like the the great documentary Finding Nemo. Had a really, <laughs> really smart squid in that movie, too. So those are just a few of the, like, mythical water-based monsters that are taken from ancient stories. So one other sea monster that is exceedingly popular in popular myth and even really falls into cryptid territory is, of course, Nessie. And that is the infamous Loch Ness Monster of Scotland. Hell yeah. However, I really didn't want to do like a cryptid episode of Nessie just yet. Uh, I think that Nessie really kind of deserves a bigger one just on its own. So I'm only mentioning Nessie, not really including it. And I thought it would be a little weird if I didn't mention Loch Ness Monsters as long as I was mentioning all these other famous sea myths. So that's why I am telling about this one at the end. So I think, well, I think Nessie uh, could probably get a whole episode herself um, yep. because it's so big. A lot of the lake monster, lake sea monsters, there's always seems to be a shit ton more eyewitness accounts and stuff than there is ocean ones. Uh, and I, I don't really know why that is, but uh it is. I have always heard the theory about the Kraken that it could just be a giant squid like feeling up on the boat. Obviously, it's not crashing it, but uh, you know, you get a bunch of drunk Norwegians telling stories. Who knows what happened? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that's one thing. They are all fucking shit faced. But what they think they might actually be seeing is the remnants of a dead giant squid. 
because once the giant, once these giant squids die, they like whatever the sperm whale didn't eat floats to the surface. So if all of a sudden you're floating along and then a giant squid carcass bangs into the side of your boat, you're going to think you're being attacked. Very true. That is a good point, actually. I like that one. Yeah. Huh. Or it could also be a fucking whale, too. They might have just instantly they see something huge and they're just worried that it's a kraken because they're so fucking worried about it. They've been hearing these stories since they were little kids. I mean, you're out in the ocean. You see a fucking whale popping up. You're not expecting something that big. Yeah. And especially after weeks, if not months out on the sea, you are fucking going half crazy anyway. You're just expecting to see anything at that point. Very true. Well, I hope, you know, maybe one day before we'll die, we'll get to figure out what the fuck's going down, going on down in that ocean there, you know, deep down in there. But I, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Yeah. Well, we know more about outer space than we do about the deepest like depths of the ocean. So maybe that'll turn around someday. Hopefully. But anyway, Phil, if anybody wants to um eat, let us know if where they saw their first sea monster, where can they do that? <laughs> well, they can get a hold of us. On our new website, www.subliminaldeception.com. That actually takes you to our podcast and also Cody's other podcast, Bumblebutt Podcast. You can find both of our Patreons on that website. And thank you again to all the people who have joined our Patreon. It's awesome. We're going to put out a lot of great stuff for you out there. Another great way is on that website. You can actually get a hold of us is through our email. There's a contact information spot on the website where you can just kind of type in your name, your message, and it goes straight to our email. Really great way to get a hold of us. If you like the old school method, our email is subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from everybody. The easiest way, in my opinion, to get a hold of us, though, is through our Instagrams. Uh, our main show is Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Cody and I both have our own Instagrams. Mine is sdpodphil. Cody, you got one? Yeah, you can follow my personal Instagram at Cody Zabub. I uh, post Mimi sometimes or whatever in relation to the conspiracy world or uh, just funny things I see. So follow me, look at them, have a laugh. The other thing we need you guys to do is if you are an iTunes user, just log on there. Leave us show a five-star review. Doesn't really matter what you say. You could say, I love... Kelpies, uh, they're my boyfriend. I don't know, whatever you want. If you're a Spotify user, you just hit that follow button. You always be updated when we drop a new episode, and that's like apparently like their five star views. Otherwise, Phil, beautiful episode. It's fun to get a little weird sometimes. Uh, yep. And we will see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. 